We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a quick-hitting Monday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. Hopefully your Sunday went well. It's Jake Burns, Andrew Spade, checking back in with you. We did a more in-depth study of the skill position players for your Sunday podcast. Perhaps you missed it if you're driving in, working out, whatever it is that you're doing while listening to this podcast. First of all, we greatly appreciate that. Second of all, go back and listen to that one because I think we get really in-depth on that one. This one will sort of piggyback off of the conversations that we had yesterday. We're going to do a little uh, study of what the offensive linemen did today at the combine, wrapping things up. And then we are going to talk about players that we leave Indianapolis really wanting to see in a Browns uniform, right? Could, could obviously save Marvin Harrison. We're going to try to keep it realistic. Uh, Listen. So today, well, we'll start with this tonight. It's a little frustrating. Andrew, I welcome you in a couple of things I want to hit on. First is the, the the Cavs, and we're not doing much of this, but I, I just feel like the Cavs are this this pretty damn talented team, and they can't get out of their own way sometimes. I mean, I have to think for Cavs fans, and I'm not, you know, you guys have listened to me long enough, and, and Andrew's been with me. We don't really get into the other teams very often. We'll, we'll do a little bit of it here and there, more usually toward the end of the pod, but I feel like the Cavs have a little bit of Browns to them, and in, to an extent where they have all this talent, it should work better than it does, and there's just... Uh, at times, something missing. I think the Browns have kind of righted that ship, and I think the the Cavs are sort of teetering on the line. I mean, they're they're doing well. They're like in the fight for the two seed. I'm not trying to say the Cavs are bad, but coming out of the break here, they've really struggled, and they, there's some teams they should be. And it's just a really frustrating Cavs loss uh, as I was sitting here watching tonight. That's where we're at. A little boring times, Andrew, but but I have to say, Cavs are talented, but they they seem to have a little bit of a a little bit maybe of a coaching problem. That's what it feels like to me. I'm not the world's biggest NBA fan. I don't watch a ton, but when it's sometimes weirdly when you have uh, you're less involved on a day to day basis, you have more perspective on what things look like because you see the bigger trends. And I, I see a team that consistently gets overmatched by teams that are willing to be more physical than them and push them around. And I see that complaint come up again and again. And I think everybody knows that and playoff basketball in the NBA is a different sport than the regular season. There's a different level of intensity and there's a different level of physicality. And so if they're 
able to get pushed around in the regular season, I think that only is magnified in the postseason. It, it, I, I said this to you pre-show, it feels a little bit like the situation with Ohio State and Ryan Day in that, again, from from a wider perspective, it feels like they don't have the right guy, but they're close enough that it's hard to complain. And he, both guys have won enough that it would feel maybe a little knee-jerk to move on, but it also feels like they're never going to get to where they want to go with that guy. And I, I don't know, I, I think... I think I've felt that way with Browns coaches for a long time. And so it feels good to, I, I mean, from a perverse perspective, it feels interesting that other Ohio teams are kind of dealing with what the Browns have dealt with for so long. We know when we see it syndrome is what we call that, right? Yeah, um, that's the way to put it. <laughs> well, it, yeah, not it, it's fun for me to like tune into. I, I'm not a surface level fan of the the Cavs and guardians. Like I like to get into some stuff, but I can't get into the weeds here. It's, far as the analytical data dives and film stuff like we can with football, which is obviously why we're here and getting paid, but we still like to be fans of these teams, obviously. So uh, I I think that it's the Cavs have done a great job of building a lot of pieces. It's just, there's a toughness element is the thing is the thing that they miss more than anything. And I think in the NBA where I, it's like a lot of X and O dynamics are in place and usually taken care of by just organic players There's stuff they can do. But I feel like a head coach is largely in charge of so much of that. And um, I hope they rectify it because they've got teams like Chicago and New York, just bullying them rebound. It's like you're supposed to have these two pretty stellar interior players and you guys give up 19 rebounds to a guard. Okay. 25 rebounds to Andre Drummond. So uh, yeah, hopefully they rectify that. Anyway, back to the Browns and why you're maybe here. I went up today to what I will give the Browns a lot of credit, Andrew. They they do a showcase for uh, juniors, uh, the junior upcoming seniors. So junior class currently, uh, they they host this uh, event up there, a junior showcase, and they they have two different sessions. And my nephews are going to be seniors, and they really wanted to go. It was like fifty bucks, and it's not bad for these things because you get exposure to all the coaches like. There's a significant number of D2 and D3 coaches there, and it's just a good way to get your name out there. If you're a small school kid who doesn't have big time games where coaches are shuffling in and out of. And I would just give the Browns credit for an extremely well-run event. The coaches were great, and they provided some good stuff from like Gatorade, sponsored type stuff, um, a really cool shirt for the kids involved. And, And when I was there, you know me, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of checking everything out. What my mind went to, because I don't really go. If you've been to Berea, I, I may, may, maybe many of you haven't. They shuffle in the media folks on the, I'm trying to make sure I have it right, uh, the east end of the building and the players and in, in, in the entrance into like the cafeteria and a shorter, quicker entrance into the indoor um, field facility is on the west side of the building and actually strike that flip it. I'm, I'm got myself turned around. So long story short, I don't go that direction very often. So I hadn't found myself inside the cafeteria and the cafeteria is nice. You know, we're talking about, I, I kind of, my mind's going back like, Oh, NFLPA grades here. Right. It's nice. It has like the salad bar, the deli and all this. It's small though. It's small. I could see guys who have been to other places being like, man, this is nothing compared to some of the other places that we have been. So the size of that was small, and I hadn't been in there. That's why I hadn't really been able to provide much feedback on it. And then I did get a feel for how the finally get a feel. I had not been quite back into the um, 
inside facility. They have from the, the, the obviously it's a shorter field. It's uh, up against the wall in one end zone and it eats up almost out to the, to the 50 yard line. So it is a very tight amount of space with all the weight room equipment that they have in there. So it looks to me, Andrew, like they're spreading and building and they're getting ready to, they're demolishing some things and it's going to expand, but boy, is it like, it is really tight in that facility. And I can understand why players and especially considering the locker room I know is condensed as well. I can understand where the grades come into play here. They just need to, to expand or whatever the plan is. Once they get it expanded, it'll work out, but they are super space restricted with that stuff. Yeah. And it's been that way for a long time because they've been in the same building for a very long time. So they, they have been up against this for a while and the solutions are not easy when, you know, we've talked about this before. They're surrounded by residential properties. And so they had to slowly acquire those and tear them down to make room for adding to the facility. But it's, it's very different. Some of the teams we've talked about before, like the Vikings are the, one of the gold standard clubs they built out in the suburbs on a, an open track to land. So they're building to a standard of what they want it to be. in. in I think they built that in the late 2010s mm-hmm. and it's acres and acres and acres that complex. So it, it's a, just, a, it's, it's a little bit of apples to oranges. The Browns have a, a challenge with how in the neighborhood they are. And um, I think they're working through that. It's good that they're, like you said, they're kind of starting to break ground on some of that stuff and hopefully they can go a little bit, towards leveling the playing field but uh, it's exciting that you were up there were there any browns coaches there no and i wasn't surprised by that because it's such a small space and they're bringing in so many coaches from outside they did a great job that they had their their internal staff is leading it so it's not like they're just shuffling this off to some camp like there's companies that run these things sometimes they host it they own it they like the kids who did best and i haven't been Obviously, I went to some of these before my senior year, but that's like 16 years ago now. So it's been a while, but they're doing all the testing. So they're putting kids through bench. Surprise me. Uh, they're doing bench, shuttle, uh, all the combine things they're doing, essentially. And and I think that's that's really cool. So the kids have like a card, a baseline of what they ran, 240 attempts, the shuttle, the um, three-cone drill, and, and the bench press, right? And uh, it gives them a really good feel and coaches a good feel for where they're at. So I, I can't give them enough credit for running a really well done um, set up there. And they gave out like the kids that won the best in each category. Testing wise, got some cool merchandise and stuff like that. So um, yeah, really neat, really, really well done. So I wanted to give them credit for that, but I also was just like, they're probably like, why is this guy wandering around so much? It's like, we looking at as many things as I can look at. Cause I just don't get up there as much as I used to with, with a couple kiddos. So it's, um, yeah. It's in just, there with the binoculars trying to get a look at that draft yeah. board. Yeah, they're they're like, what's hold on, man? What's this guy with the hood doing down here? Pushing it a little too far. I, I should have thought of that, but I didn't. Uh, you, you, you like you could see how that place is like it's a Sunday and no one's there. And you could find yourself just like shaking door handles to see what's up. And then maybe oh, walk absolutely. I, I don't know that I'd be able to resist. <laughs> Andrew Barry's just in there in a quiet room watching film. You're just like, right. Andrew, how are yeah. you, man? You know what? Like Let's talk, talk a little bit. Yeah. We have the same first name, and I think that's enough for us to be lifelong friends. So here we go. Let's do. It. Let's exchange cell phone numbers, mm-hmm. and we'll just work for each other. I'll that's never say a word to anybody. <laughs> well, listen. We should talk real quick about the combine. It wrapped up. We had offensive linemen, guys who I thought stood out. And listen, I think we should also note that there's some really interesting data out there that is worth mentioning. Um, that since 2010, this is from Josh Norris on Twitter, 
I'm not sure what organization has studied into this. Maybe Josh did it himself. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm applying the correct credit. But since 2010, 28 offensive linemen have recorded a 4-4-7 short shuttle or better at the NFL Combine. 24 were drafted of those 28. Those 24 went on to start 84% of their NFL games. It's like a cheat code. I mean, it's significant, uh, you know, conversion there. So here are the guys who had a 4-4-7 or lower uh, shuttle. So you had Wisconsin center Tanner Bort- uh, Bortolini. Great last name. I think he's one that we're interested in a little bit in the later portions, I, even though he I made, love a know, plate of Bortolini, like cool. with a sausage and maybe some mushrooms. Yeah, it's, it can't go wrong with that. Uh, Georgia tackle Marius Mims. We know this guy is, you know, I remember the Sports Illustrated cover all those years ago of like the, I can't remember what that offensive line Packers drafted him. Um, he has not played Mims has not played enough games to feel comfortable, but he was created in a lab to play offensive tackle six, eight, three forty, running a five flat 40 yard dash. Like it's unbelievable. This guy, another player we talked about, uh, Keon Coleman yesterday. We talked about Brian Thomas yesterday, players that if the Browns did have their first round pick, you would be on the edge of your seat on Thursday night, waiting to see where they landed. Amarius Mims to me is in that conversation. Cause I think he's going to be a longtime starter in the NFL. Yeah, he probably locked himself into the top 15. A large part of that is, I think I saw a good point online, is they're looking at this as like if he were to have stayed another year and got more experience, he would be the first pick in the next draft. So you're like trying to think that way. And I think he's going to go pretty high. Uh, Kansas guard Dominic Puny, who is um, the worst last name for an offense, uh, offensive lineman you could have, but he tested well. NC State center Dylan McMahon, uh, USC guard Jared Kingston, and Arkansas guard Brady Latham. So those are the guys that did well in terms of that number, which is a, tr- a, a cheat code. And then some others that stood out, uh, Troy Faltanu from um, Washington, the tackle, had a sub-5, 40-yard dash, 9-5 broad jump, 6-3, It's a pretty stellar day. Uh, Tylen Grable from UCF had a great day, beat the, you know, the five second 40 mark, had a 36 and a half vertical nine, nine broad started 27 games at UCF. So he is going to definitely be a day two guys what the vibe is there. And then the guy that I have like enjoyed his tape lately and it matches here is Garrett Greenfield from South Dakota state. And uh, I'm looking at, can the Browns draft a day two or day three, probably early day three guard. Greenfield's testing now might push him out of that range, but I mean, the guy jumped 38 and a half. He's one of the ones who was able to, uh, you know, hit the four, four shuttle number that you wanted him to hit. He had a nine, five broad jump. Like that's really an impressive day uh, from him. And he had some good post season efforts too, right. In the, in the senior bowl stuff. So the shrine game was actually where he was in that. I, I didn't mean to say, senior bowl but but uh his shrine game stuff was was pretty good from everybody that gathered uh film on that so i don't know you, you, you again you're looking at south dakota state film is kind of hard to come by but when you look at some of the stuff he has uh in front of the ability to climb to the second level and be out and pull in space like we're looking for potential guard answers that's one uh worth paying attention to but that's the offensive line we're going to take a quick break, and then Andrew and I are going to talk about three guys we leave Indianapolis really wanting the Browns to draft. So we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Andrew, I'll let you hit lead off in this. It is uh, any position we want, you know, uh, tilting toward ones we think the Browns are going to be interested in, quite obviously. But um, three guys, yeah, who tested well and maybe matched the tape, and you just would really like to see them in a Browns uniform. Okay, so we'll start with wide receiver. Um, I think we we both have a wide receiver on our list, and so it's there's we talked about this yesterday. There's so many of them, so it's hard to choose, but. I really like the idea of Xavier Leggett uh, for the Browns, just from an athleticism, height, weight, speed, 6'1", 221, ran a 4'39", 40-inch vertical. I, I just think that type of athleticism and, and then the size component is, is I mean, that, I think that's, I don't have Cooper's numbers in front of me, but I think I remember him being a 4'4", 4'5", guy, so. Yeah, uh, he ran well enough to be drafted in the top 10. Right, right. It's not that he's a slouch, but as yeah. as he ages, having somebody that really does hit all of those metrics and is also, I, I like, I don't, you know, I'm when I watch Xavier Leggett play football, he looks very natural catching the ball. He's not fighting it. And it's not, this isn't an Anthony Schwartz situation is what I'm trying to say. So um, that's the wide receiver just from a, let's get a, a really high-end athletic traits on the field with a guy that can go catch the ball and, and just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Great answer. I'm going to stick with the Xavier's as well and go worthy. Now I think mine's a little less realistic because it's hard for me to see an NFL team, every single NFL team outside of the Browns passing up on a four, two, one Like, I just think even though the one sixty five number is, is, is a threat, I think it's hard for me to see them passing up on that scenario. But if they do, which isn't crazy and you get into the forties, I wouldn't mind it. I would not mind it one bit. And I would really like, and it's not, you mentioned Anthony Schwartz in your answer a second ago. This is not the same. These are not the same football. One's a wide receiver and one was a guy trying to figure it out using as a weapon. This is a wide receiver that can run like this. The Browns need somebody who can be Marquise Goodwin, but can do the other components of the game that he struggles with. I think you could have that here. 
if I'm cheating with this answer because you think he's a stone cold lock to go inside the top 40 and don't even waste my time. I mean, Ricky Pearsall is a guy that I have been pushing for, for a little while here, as far as far as that tier two wide receiver go. And, you know, he blew away the testing to confirm what I think on tape is a really nice playmaker. So I'll cheat with that. I'll go first in the second round, Andrew, Mike, Mike Sanderstall. I'm just answering for both of us. You don't get to use it because that's cheating, but I mean, we, we, if you need to go back and listen to yesterday, that's, that's all you need. I mean, we're just in love with the idea of this guy playing nickel for the, for the Browns. And he's a huge Mike Hilton fan and we love Mike Hilton and the mesh is just perfect. There's also some uh, fun tape of Mike playing offense early in his Michigan career. Pretty good as well. So I would just really love to have that guy on my football team. I think he's, he's a big part of like the, the culture change Michigan went through going from, I think a, a pretty passive program to a very assertive and tough program. And he was a big part of that defensively and he can just flat out play tested really well. So I would like him in Cleveland if, uh, if people are willing to have another defensive back selected and uh, maybe move off of Greg Newsom as an opportunity. So there you go. Yeah, obviously I love it. That's, that's a guy that I've been talking about for six months at this point and, and just very excited to, I, I think there's a chance that that one happens, right? I mean, I, to go back to your, your wide receiver choice. I, I think one of the interesting things, Jake, for the next month and a half is going to be, or two months, I guess, watching wide receivers and where they l- sort of line up eventually, if we can get any sort of tiers. And then, of course, we know on draft night, some of that won't even come to fruition. There, I, I, We talked about it yesterday. I'll just say it again. There's going to be receivers that drop because they're just they're teams that have other needs that they prioritize ahead of wide receiver. And whether that's an offensive lineman or a defensive back, that they'll they'll draft that player when they might have picked uh, Keon Coleman or Xavier Worthy or Brian Thomas, and those play so one of those players, not all of them, but one one or two of those guys will slip into the top of the first or the second round, and then we'll have twenty four hours to have as many conversations as we can about how far can the Browns get up in the second round to go get one of these guys. I don't know that that's what will end up happening, but I do feel like a sport for Browns fans over the next two months is who's the guy that, that might fall out of the first round. So I, that's that's something to watch. It's kind of the same thing with Sanders still, too. I mean, I don't think a nickel, a mainly nickel cornerback would go in the first, but I think there's a concern that he'd be there at 54, don't you? It wouldn't surprise me. Kind of the same way, like, I think Dax Hill ended up going in the 30s, if I recall. I think he doesn't have the safety flexibility that they would like to maybe take him that high. But if you're taking him, it's got to be around 54 or you're moving slightly down maybe to like 60 or something and gathering something else. And he's there still, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel great about him being there like 84, 85. So yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So my, my second pick is Trey Benson, the uh, running back out of Florida state ran a four, three, nine broad uh, vertical jump of 33 and a half broad jump of 10 feet two which are both really good numbers for running backs. I, I mean, the vertical is not as important, but the, the broad shows you explosiveness. Uh, 1.52, 10-yard split. Those are really good numbers for a guy that I think is very physical and then also catches the ball really nicely, uh, so can kind of do both. And I, I like – I always have had kind of a – all the way back to Maurice Jones-Drew, guys that are a little shorter. He's 5'9". It feels like sometimes he he uses that to his advantage to hide in the hole a little bit and then – he has the burst to kind of find this, his spot and, and go. 
So I, re- I really like him as a player, and I think the testing confirmed. I think I, I don't have a great feel for this running back class in terms of how it stacks right now, but I, I think it's probably a good chance that he's one of the first guys to go. Yeah, the testing's too good, and I think he hasn't put a ton of miles on the tires either. So it's a weird running back class. Starts on day two, probably really picks up early day three. A lot of guys go. So uh, Trey Benson's one of the few that has a chance to go on day two, for sure. My my last one's going to be Chop Robinson. I, I mean, listen, he's not a perfect prospect. He didn't sack the quarterback enough. I understand that but he pressured the quarterback and he's a hyper athletic edge and he's 21. And I just think you're looking to find pass rushers opposite miles Garrett. He can do that stuff and he can be a, 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 a real gadget player at times too, who because of the athleticism can get into space for you when you need him to with creative blitz concepts. And um, I find him to be a very interesting player that allows you to move miles a little bit too. And if he's there at 54, I would have no issue with that, and I would probably prefer it because you're still looking at guys to get after the passer as much as possible. And like I said, I understand that maybe he didn't sack the quarterback as much as we want, but if we're having a lot of conversations about Miles Garrett and pressure being the huge part of why he won Defensive Player of the Year, this guy gets pressure. He just does. He's done it his whole career. And maybe, perhaps, if guys are a little bit more afraid of Miles Garrett, drift his way a little bit more in the NFL, you're looking at a 10-sack guy. So athletic traits, college production in terms of the pressure uh, stuff, and he's young. I, I would I would be more than happy with him at 54. I want to say Braden Fisk, but I feel like he's more of an 85 guy because he's 24 years old. He's a little older. But, um, you know, it's kind of stealing two answers there. Fisk would be a lot of fun too. But, I don't again, I don't think he's the pick 54 guy just because he's 24, but you know, if he's there in the seventies, Andrew, like, I, I mean, I could get hungry and move up for him because he's the, the perfect kind of defensive tackle for what Jim Schwartz likes to do uh, with his guys getting upfield and creating chaos. But yeah, chop was the guy I'd go with as my third. Who's your last one. My last one is the defensive tackle from Clemson. Rook Aro. Aro. It's great. That's a great job pronouncing that. It's Thank one of the more difficult much. in the entire draft. Yeah. And I was just looking up, because I wanted to talk about him as an athlete, 6'4", 294. So I was just looking up Jordan Elliott's RAS back when he came into the draft in, in uh, 2020, right? So he was mm-hmm. a 7.38. Oro is a 9.92. So Elliott was an athlete. Oro is a, sort of a different tier of athlete. And built differently, too. Really long arms. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elliott's a little bit uh, stubbier, shorter. I mean, he, he's... He's still got the size, but he's he's more compact, I guess is the right way to say it. And, yeah, you're right that Aroro has some length. And so he he uh, tested really well, 4.89 in the 40-yard dash, which is bananas when you're almost 300 pounds, 1.67 for the 10-yard split, 32-inch vertical jump, 9-foot, 8-inch broad jump, 29 reps on the bench press. So I, I think – to me, if you if you said like wide receiver, and then if he somehow was still available in that, that second pick in the eighties, I think that's that's a really nice one too. Somebody with that level of athleticism next to Dalvin Tomlinson, I think, could be very impactful. Yep, that's another name to monitor defensive tackle wise. Where I think Devontae Sweat is a guy they're not going to be that interested in because of the way they prefer to play those guys, and then it's a little thin at the top. It's like Byron Murphy and. Uh, Jerzon Newton probably go early, so then it's like finding that middle ground 
is going to be fascinating to watch. There's going to be a lot of in, enticing prospects and second, third round defensive tackles find a way to make impacts. They do. We watched last year, uh, you know, Colby Turner make um, an impact, right? So I hope that the Browns are not ruling out uh, the possibility of taking one at 85, even though I know it's a risk and they haven't had, you know, they haven't had the best, um, the best outcome with some of these guys for, for them recently, even though Jordan Elliott kind of found a little late resurgence, but uh, I think you still got to keep taking swings to keep, to keep trying, man, until you find one. And I think, like you said, Rook is a different type of build. That would be uh, interesting for what they have uh, traditionally done here. So Andrew, listen, man, appreciate your answers and insights, buddy, as always on this beautiful Monday morning. It's a pleasure, Jake. It's uh, crazy that the combine is already over. We're, sitting here just a few days, what, like eight, nine days, eight, nine days before free agency starts. So I know you mentioned kind of at the top that news has been slow. I do think I was catching up. I was, I had to, I'm doing some work travel. So I was catching up on a bunch of football podcasts while I was driving. And the overall theme, I think you even mentioned this with Jared Mueller uh, is like with the cap, extra cap space, there's been a little bit of a pause with negotiations. And so it feels like things are a little bit frozen right now. Yeah, I, I, I think now that the combine is over, you're going to get everybody kind of go back. The franchise tag deadline is in two days. Or I, as you're listening to this, it's on Tuesday. It's the 5th. So that's going to create a little bit of movement. And I think by the end of this week, we maybe have a few trades in the pipeline and things start to really loosen up before free agency next week. So it's coming. You just got to be a little bit more patient. And pretty soon we'll have a lot of stuff to analyze. And two names today caught caught buzz that we didn't mention. Christian Wilkins and Brian Burns as guys that great point. Yes. You know, Wilkins hitting yeah. free agency would be it's gonna be huge for a lot of teams. And the Browns will flirt with it, but it, it'll be they'll huge. definitely inquire. I mean they were interested in Javon Hargrave before the 49ers came in and got that done. So they were in at the top of the market. So I, I think I don't know that they would be now with Tomlinson, but you can't rule them out. And as you said, they will definitely be in contact with him. And I love Wilkins, by the way, as a player. Yeah, love, love, yeah. love. And and the person's fun as hell, too, you know. So uh, go back and watch him hitting the splits on the field after that national championship. One of a kind as far as uh, what you hear. And, and uh, you do get some some really good stuff uh, in, in his his uh, on-the-field mic'd-up stuff is really great as well. But uh, And then Brian Burns and the Carolina Panthers uh, situation is getting dicey as well as uh, it looks like they've cut off contract negotiations. And if you want to believe – the validity of the Rams offering just a couple of years ago, two first round picks and essentially a second as well for his services. Carolina has not done well with this and just to sort of put on the pile of mismanagement that's been going on with Carolina. I don't think they'll let Burns get to the market because I think they'll, it's weird to say my own last name. I think it, I think that they'll want to make sure that they hold on to him a little bit, but uh, and maybe get something out of it, and maybe they still think they can trade him. They'll, they'll probably tag him. But the Wilkins news is big because the rest of the NFL can get a chance to go after him. Like Andrew said, we will get a ton of information in the next six days to start making these things a bit more fun. Uh, hopefully we have entertained you with the combine between Jared and Andrew and myself with the insights. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in, uh, as always, and uh, hearing from us. And, and like I said, preparing you for the free agency coming up reacting to free agency and getting ready for the draft and having you prepared for all the names in the draft will be the uh, primary focus of the podcast over the next two months. So have a fantastic Monday. Thanks for checking in guys. You know, we appreciate that rate and review the pod if you can and join the OBR website, just $1 for your first month. Again, appreciate you checking the show out, making it a part of your day. Be well. Go Browns.